This is a podcast from SCC English, the English department of St. Columbus College, Dublin in Ireland. Visit our blog www.sccenglish.ie for more information. Welcome to the SCC English podcast number 15. This is Julian Gurnham from the English department at St. Columbus College in Dublin in Ireland. Welcome to the first podcast of this academic year, 2009-10. This is also the first of a series of podcasts, roughly every month, in the terms leading up to next year's Leaving Certificate, on individual poems on the higher level course, with, in each case, some background, a commentary on the poem's details, and comparisons to other poems by that author. Visit our blog, sccenglish.ie, for more. The first poem in the first of this series is The Wild Swans at Cool by W.B. Yeats. So first of all, I'm going to read it and then discuss it for a while. The Wild Swans at Cool. The trees are in their autumn beauty. The woodland paths are dry. Under the October twilight, the water mirrors a still sky. Upon the brimming water, Among the stones are nine and fifty swans. The nineteenth autumn has come upon me since I first made my count. I saw, before I had well finished, all suddenly mount and scatter, wheeling in great broken rings upon their clamorous wings. I have looked upon those brilliant creatures, and now my heart is sore. All's changed since I, hearing at twilight the first time on this shore, The bell-beat of their wings above my head Trod with a lighter tread. Unwearied still, lover by lover, They paddle in the cold companionable streams Or climb the air. Their hearts have not grown old. Passion or conquest wander where they will Attend upon them still. But now they drift on the still water, Mysterious, beautiful, Among what rushes will they build, by what lake's edge or pool delight men's eyes, when I awake some day to find they have flown away? In his biography of Yeats in a second volume called The Arch Poet, Roy Foster calls this one of his supreme achievements. Yeats wrote a draft in February 1917, and you can see a manuscript version of this in the current outstanding exhibition at the National Library of Ireland in Dublin. By the way, that exhibition also has a superb website, and again, you can find this manuscript by searching at www.nli.ie forward slash Yeats. The next two poems in the book, The Wild Swans at Cool, are both about the son of his great friend Lady Gregory, owner of Cool Park in memory of Robert Gregory, and another poem on your course, An Irish Airman Foresees His Death. In February 1918, Yeats heard the terrible news of his death in the skies over Italy. As Foster writes, On February the 4th he received a few tragic lines from Lady Gregory. Dear Willie, the long-dreaded telegram has come. Robert has been killed in action. It is very hard to bear. Although The Wild Swans at Cool was written before Robert Gregory's death, Yeats's placing of it at the start of the collection of the same name, beside the Gregory memorial poems, sets the mood of the book. 
one of uncertainty, melancholy and coming change. Cool Park itself was sold to the state in 1927 and Lady Gregory died there in 1932. The house itself was demolished in 1941. Now the grounds are gardens and a wildlife reserve open to the public. You can have a look at their website at www.coolpark.ie. Yeats described the place to the poet John Macefield as the most beautiful place in the world, and he wrote many poems in it and about it. As our poem says, he came back to it again and again, eventually buying the nearby tower at Ballylee to live in. A later poem, Cool Park 1929, meditates on the place as it comes to an end. In Roy Foster's words, quote, Cool is both a house and an ethos, standing for a culture fixed at the centre, revolving around established foundations of decorum, commitment and steadiness. Despite this, like many of Yeats's poems, Wild Swans is placed at a moment of change and uncertainty, of unsteadiness, in fact. It was less than a year since the cataclysmic event which shook him deeply, the Easter 1916 Rising. And of course his poem of that name is completely about how everything, including history and Yeats himself, has been changed, changed utterly. In that poem, a terrible beauty has been born. Now, Wild Swans might seem like a very different poem, and of course it is in many ways. It's not overtly political or apparently of the moment. Its imagery and mood are much more gentle and less specific. However, despite these differences, at its core it is about the same thing, the idea of deep and irrevocable change and of an uncertain future. Beauty is much on Yeats's mind here too, it's not terrible, though. Instead, at first, it seems idyllic. The trees are in their autumn beauty, the woodland paths are dry. But although the scene seems calm, it is literally overshadowed by October twilight. And in the second stanza, the stillness is completely punctured by the vivid image of the swans as they suddenly mount and scatter wheeling in great broken rings upon their clamorous wings. By the third middle stanza, he states explicitly that my heart is sore. This is no idyllic fantasy like the Lake Isle of Inishfree. In that poem, written when he was 25, he imagined a utopia. Now, at the age of 52, his own idyll is threatened. The key word arrives on line 15. All's changed. Not utterly yet in this poem, though it did eventually change utterly. Cool Park, as I said earlier, was demolished in the 1940s, and the Anglo-Irish ascendancy class which it embodied was also completely left behind by history. I should, by the way, point out that the rhyme scheme of the poem is peculiar. It goes A, B, C, B, D, D. In other words, two of the lines don't rhyme at all, underscoring a sense of something unresolved or uncertain. By the fourth stanza, the symbolism of the birds is obvious. They are unwearied, companionable. Their hearts have not grown old, 
passion or conquest, wander where they will, attend upon them still. By contrast, in the last stanza, he imagines his own future when he wakes, some day to find they have flown away. This wasn't Yeats's original ending. As first published, the last stanza was in fact the third, and the poem ended with the current third and fourth stanzas, thus finishing with passion or conquest, wander where they will, attend upon them still. As Roy Foster puts it, quote, Thus the original poem ends on the note of the poet's lost youth and passion, whereas when Yeats rearranged it for subsequent publication, he shifted the attention to the mysterious swans and the impossibility of eternalising the present. That last phrase of Foster's, the impossibility of eternalising the present, might well make you think of sailing to Byzantium, in which the only way life can be eternalised is through art. Byzantium is another of Yeats's ideals, like the Lake Isle of Inishfree, like Romantic Ireland from September 1913, like the opening images of Lysadel in the poem In Memory of Eva Gore Booth and Con Markovitz. And this movement between the ideal and the real links so many of Yeats's poems. In The Stairs Nest by My Window, from Meditations in Time of Civil War, he is actually living fully in a nightmarish reality, following the dismaying betrayal of idealism that was the Civil War. The Wild Swans at Cool encapsulates all the qualities which make Yeats great. Roy Foster writes that the poem is written, quote, in sublimely plain language and is about alienation, belonging, companionship and love. The lyrics' apparent simplicity emerged from intensive redrafting and distillation. Finally, I'd like to say that in his poem Adam's Curse, Yeats wrote that, quote, a line will take us hours maybe, if it, if it does not seem a moment's thought, our stitching and unstitching has been naught. This poem, much revised, worked on, and honed into its final beautiful shape, is a perfect example of Yeats's power. It is at once personal and universal, poised between the past and the future. <laughs>